0: You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse.
1: Thank you for joining us for a Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office, located in the Legacy, Texas Business Center. I'm Lamont Thomas, 2019 Board Chair for the Plano Chamber.
0: And I'm Jeff Beckley, 2019 Immediate Past Board Chair of the Plano Chamber. This podcast is brought to you by WorkSuites. WorkSuites offices, meeting rooms, and co-working spaces take care of all of your office needs so you can focus on running your business, not your office. Check out all 15 DFW locations at WorkSuites.com.
1: Let's introduce you to today's guest. Michael Thomas is the executive director of My Possibilities, an organization serving adults with disabilities such as Down syndrome, autism, Asperger's, head injuries, and more. My possibility is the first full-day, four-year educational program of its kind in Collin County. The organization offers educational programming, therapy services, job placement services, respite opportunity, and will soon be offering residential opportunities for adults with disabilities. Michael is the previous chair of leadership Plano Board of Directors and was honored with the 2018 Rising Star Award by the Plano Chamber. Please join us in welcoming Michael Thomas.
2: Hey, thank you guys. Thank you for uh, for having me
1: here.
0: So, Michael, before we jump in, just give us a quick overview of My Possibilities.
2: Yeah, well, L- Lamont killed it. Um, that was wonderful. You know, My Possibilities is a is is ultimately higher education, it's continued learning. Um, and we focus on providing any one of our hipsters that stands for hugely important people um, with a pathway to community inclusion, and that's very different for everybody. Uh, so we do this by providing kind of a college-like experience where they go through admissions, they take classes, and if their if their pathway is to employment, then we put them down that track and we'll connect them to job placement. If they want to live independently, we'll work on those skills. But ultimately, it's just about you know realizing their their greatest potential. That's what we do.
1: Michael you used the term hipsters. Tell yeah. us how that came to be and what are hipsters?
2: Yeah. So uh, when when three mothers got together back in 2007. Um, and identified that they were going to try and solve this problem, they realized that in this industry of the health human services and disability support, very cold language, uh, you hear a lot of consumer and client and that sort of thing. And they said, you know, we really need to find a term, uh, something that our guys can identify with that they'll be proud of. And you know, I think everybody would start with, well, they're VIPs. Well, I mean, everybody's everybody did VIPs. They said, what if they're hugely important people? They said, oh, that's hip. What if they're hipsters? And seriously, they had no clue that hipsters was a thing in another part, you know, in Austin and Seattle, that sort of thing. So today it's just, it's just really great marketing for us. Uh, but our guys self-identify as hipster. That's the, they're proud of that term. Um, and it identifies anybody that we serve within the special needs world at My Possibilities.
0: So you mentioned the genesis of, of My Possibilities. Um, it comes from humble beginnings. Uh, describe for us a little bit about, a little bit more about where uh, My Possibilities comes from, you know, and, and uh, how, how it got its start.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny, 11, 12 years ago, the disability services world in North Texas looked drastically different than it does today. Uh, today, there are half a dozen organizations that are well known, well respected that are serving uh, adults with disabilities in a really great way. In 2007, there was nobody doing anything. And so the impetus behind My Possibilities was literally three young adults graduating out of the Plano school system, and their parents being told, hey, this is your last meeting with the school system. So you got to go figure out where they're going next. And this story is, uh, is not unique. It happens all over Texas. I mean, I I swear every three months, there's somebody who calls us up and says, well, I I live in, you know, West Texas somewhere, my child's graduating, and we want to start a program. Uh, There's nothing out here. And you know, we'd like to do something like your program. That was what that's what kicked it off. They went around North Texas looking around for a place where their children could continue to grow and realize that the state expectation at the time was not growth, was not education, it was adult daycare. And effectively a child could come out of a school system in Texas and at 20, 21 years old be told that coloring and and you know Disney movies was was acceptable. Uh, and these are these were very type A moms that was not going to fly for them. And uh, so the, as the lore would have it, they met at a Starbucks and they scribbled on a napkin, kind of what they thought could be a blueprint for an organization. And fast forward 11 years, they, they kind of hit the nail on the head. So and the statistics are pretty striking too,
0: in terms of, uh, you know, occupation, those that are employed, uh, hugely important people that are employed after they, uh, graduate high school. How many of them, you know, are, are really kind of cared for with by their family? Yep. I was reading up some of that on the website recently here, and uh, you know, you know those fact, yeah, uh, those facts better than I did.
2: Yeah, they're drastic too. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of aging parents with old, you know, older children at home with them, and, and this is not just a North Texas issue. This is sure. a national sure. issue. Um, and, yeah, when, it, when parents, when the last caregiver goes, it's kind of a baseball analogy. It's whoever's in the batter's box, you know, next up. And ultimately when, when that happens, you've got somebody who's now completely relocating. Their entire world shifts. Uh, they lose their caregiver. They may lose their home, their social circle, their job, that sort of a thing. And it's, it's, uh, it happens every day, literally every single day. There's somebody that just gets the call that says, well, you know, this is your cousin. This is your sibling, your aunt, your uncle, sure. um, and they got to move. They got to. They got to step up to it. But um, I think I. I actually. Uh, I'm sure I ticked off the Texas Workforce Commission this past week. But they, they posted online. They had this beautiful image, and it said, "You know, Texas unemployment rate is down to 3.4 um, percent, the lowest it's ever been, which is true, and it's fantastic." And, and so I kind of poked the bear a little bit, and I said, "Yet." Texans with disabilities uh, have an employment rate of eight percent. You know, how do we work on? It? They didn't. They didn't respond. There was no. There was no dialogue there. But that's what it looks like. If you come out of high school with a with special needs, eight sure. percent of that population is employed right now competitively. Wow. And uh, there are just under uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand adults, work working age adults with disabilities in Texas. Eight percent of them are working. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a. It's a. Massive problem.
1: So, Michael, you mentioned caregivers and talking about the hipsters and then the the evolution where caregivers fall off. And um, do you provide support for caregivers?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. uh, The average parent would never think about this, but when you have a child with disabilities from the time that they're diagnosed and you know that they may not be able to take care of themselves, you could go 10, 20, 30 years, literally 100% of their life hands-on. And so from a uh, being able to take a vacation or have a night off or go to dinner, I mean, those opportunities for a lot of our families have been non-existent. So we, we do offer a respite program where we will step in uh, sometimes completely over a weekend, sometimes just an evening. There are times where it's been an entire week where we allow kind of a caregiver to take a step back, take a breather, find some time for themselves. And we go in not only to provide the care that they need in that time period, but we also give reports back and we let them know Hey, here's how you know your daughter, or your son is doing um, independently or working with peers, so they can start preparing for what the long term looks like when they're let they let their child go live independently. So we we do that. Uh, we have a, a full staff running you know 365 days a year doing nothing but respite care.
0: So the, the my possibility started in 2007, and you guys have grown phenomenally since then. I mean, how many hipsters are in the program? And I guess kind of the follow up question is mm-hmm. how many folks uh, have uh, special needs children that aren't able to be served? I mean you're obviously yeah. uh resource limited you know what's that process look like, and how many folks are out there that are looking for help
2: yeah when we when we opened our doors in June of two thousand and eight, uh, we had ten hipsters that was the in a, in a ten thousand square foot building, which I think a lot of people said at the time was a little ambitious um We've twice outgrown facilities that we've been in, and today we serve somewhere around 450 to 500 a week in within the educational program, and then we'll see 100 to 150 a week out in the community. So they're working. We're providing job coaching okay. or job training. So um, weekly we'll see yeah, anywhere between you know, 550, 600 hipsters a week. Sadly, our waiting list uh, today, it's a good and a bad thing, but our waiting list today is longer than it's ever been. Uh, we moved into a new building and thought, well, it's bigger, we have more space, so we're going to get at that waiting list. And quite the opposite happened. Uh, When people came and saw the facility and saw our campus, the admissions went up. The uh, people that are now more inclined to leave school, the school districts earlier, that has gone up. Uh, We've got 140 on the waiting list today. So even with the planning of of building a second building on campus, uh, that building's full already. So the need in North Texas, there's, uh, depending on who you're talking to, there's somewhere between 230 and 280,000 wow. working age. This is 18 to 60 years old, uh, year old Texans with disabilities in just DFW. It's a massive population. So we're one of the largest in the state serving 600 plus a week. Um, and we're not scratching the surface of the need. Right.
1: So Michael, it's a little fun here. Yeah. Take us into the boardroom when you run in there with your ideas about let's grow, let's do more, let's do this. What are those meetings like? I can only imagine your board board of directors looking at you saying, "Here we go again." Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, that is um, that's a fun topic. Uh, can you promise me no board member will hear this podcast? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so you know, still name names. Yeah, like what's that. what's funny. Um, there's definitely a, a, a fast pace to the organization. And I think what's beautiful about the the flexibility that our staff and our team has is the board absolutely believes in the long-term vision. They holistically embrace the pace of growth, natural growth. So uh, I think that the good news is it's embraced. Uh, and And then there are times where... You know, if I have more than one or two new things on the agenda, I can I can start seeing people sit back in their chair. They start wiping their brow. Um, you know, it, it, and it's like, dude, you know, slow down a little bit. Let's let's take care <laughs> of some of these things. But the truth is, the uh, day an organization becomes stagnant is the day somebody else passes and passes you up and does something else. And we are we are dedicated to being that provider, to being that creative solution, and, and providing new opportunities. So we're obligated to constantly create. But it doesn't make it doesn't make it uh, always the most comfortable seat for a board member. Um, they get over it. <laughs>
1: so we have some more questions for Michael, including what the future holds for my possibilities. But first, let's take a quick break for a message from the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse Work Suites.
2: Are you looking for a place to get your work done? WorkSuites is not only impressive looking, they also offer affordable full-service offices, meeting rooms, and co-working spaces that are designed for privacy, productivity, and professionality. Available furnished or unfurnished, these turnkey offices are move-in ready today with no long-term lease commitment and minimal upfront capital. Contact WorkSuites.com or call
1: 888-312-WORK to check out any of their three Plano locations or 15
2: DFW area locations. That's 888-312-WORK or worksuites.com.
0: Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Michael Thomas, Executive Director of My Possibilities. Thanks again for joining us, Michael. Thank you. So we talked a little bit, you mentioned the new campus and and all that embodies, I mean, you guys had a, a, a bold idea to... Create a new campus there off George Bush. Beautiful facility, by the way. Tell us a little bit more about the campus, what it does, how it serves uh, the hipsters and the community you're trying to serve.
2: Yeah, well, in July of 2013, we moved into uh, a new building we renovated over off of uh, Dorchester, kind of by the PISD administration building. And it was supposed to be a three to four year growth building. It was twice the size of our first home. And six months in, we had filled it. And in December of 2013, at the board meeting, where we were all just kind of getting used to these this new building, we had our first discussion about, we're full, and the waiting list is still there. And we got to be thinking about what's next. They didn't want to hear like, what's next six months in, but that's where we were. Sure. And the conversation really, uh, the charge was, okay, think big and think long term, what do we need to do? And it went from just buying another building and buying another building to let's go find, let's develop a campus, let's go find land and and put ourselves someplace where we can grow over time. Um, and that became a $25 million campaign that uh, we privately launched in the middle of 2014. And then we publicly launched uh, actually, no, middle of 2015 is when we launched the, the campaign privately, publicly launched in April of 2017. We had raised about $9 million at that point. And from April 17th to today, we're, at about, we're just a hair under $21 million. Wow. Um, so we've got 4000000 million-ish left uh, to all the, the wonderful donors that are listening to the podcast. Uh, our game plan is to be done with that campaign this year. And to begin construction of the second building, uh, probably quarter one uh, in 2020. And so, how is it serving the hipsters
0: in, in ways that that uh, you maybe only envisioned, you know, four or five years ago? You, you, it was a dream then, but what's the reality now?
2: Yeah, the campus plan uh, really took the concept of higher education from a oh yeah, we can kind of see that's a, poss- a possibility to every single day they step in. It's grab your badge, clock in, go to class. Every semester they choose the classes that they want to take. So uh, the campus has realized that that true higher education and continued learning for this population is absolutely attainable, and we found it's, it's the solution. I mean, it really is, whether it be jobs or community engagement, uh, when you really embrace the fact that all people can learn and you just provide that pathway for them to get there, our guys just – they just – they excel in spades. Uh, so the campus is really, we, we get it, that's the vision, that is the model. The long term is to add uh, not just a job training building next year, but, you know, a health and wellness center with dormitories on campus, which if you're a parent of a, adult, a young adult child with special needs, hearing dorms is either the single greatest idea or the most terrifying idea you've ever heard. But that for us is where the average young adult learns how to live independently so, why shouldn't it be the way that uh, that our hipsters learn how to live independently? Exactly. so yeah uh, we've got we'll be in a perpetual state of of uh, fundraising and, and campaigning and construction uh, probably forever.
1: So, Michael, you mentioned the educational services for hipsters, then you mentioned job training and then you mentioned earlier about Texas Work Commission. Talk about the hiring of individuals who different abilities.
2: yeah, it's funny um when we when we really started MP the conversation about hiring like true community employment for people with disabilities in the region was scarce uh, you know diversity and inclusion is absolutely important to to the corporate world but really when you start going down the checkboxes even when you get to the checkbox that says disabilities that's a complicated checkbox right you've got physical disabilities you have mental health you have all of these sensory disabilities you know somebody who's blind or can't uh, has hard of hearing um, the intellectual and developmental disabilities world is a, a little more complex uh, uh, pathway to employment. So 10 years ago, it wasn't a conversation. Today, it is, uh, it's a hot button. And the part of the reason is people are realizing this population makes for an ideal employee. It, it literally, somebody who comes in, does exactly what they're told to do, Does not engage in the whole water cooler gossip nonsense, is not thinking about corporate theft or intellectual property theft like they they don't none of that. Not going home and looking for another job, literally all the things that the average company would be concerned about in an employee. Our guys don't, they don't strike any of those risk boxes, um, and they'll never leave. So if you have a if you're in the corporate world where you've got an, an entry level or a repetitive task job that is high turnover this population solves a massive problem, they become a great cultural fit. But it's also a position you don't have to hire for again. Um, If if the corporate world embraced that across the board and really looked at where all the positions that somebody if we modified the nature of how that job works, somebody with an intellectual disability could perform that job successfully and efficiently. I mean, we're talking about HR savings of of an epic proportion. Um, but also just a really great fit for a company. So we, we've ramped that up. And in 2018, we actually merged with a nonprofit called LaunchAbility that was uh, focused exclusively mm-hmm. on job placement services. And that's now our job placement team. So they do uh, in-the-community job academies, where they'll actually do eight- and nine-week internship programs, where they're getting four to five individuals a chance to really train on-site and really get... Uh, true in the community work experience and about 30 to 40 percent of those guys that go through academy are being hired out of the program into those companies to just stay there and that's what it takes it takes kind of showing the for-profit that you know the corporate world oh wow this guy's been here four or five weeks he's doing that better than you know janet's done it for the last 20 years we should hire him no offense to janet she's great but but it's it takes seeing it and and watching them walk in every day with that you know with the collared shirt and your logo on it and seeing them smiling at everybody and then going right to work, and then sh- you know no no smoke breaks ten, you know twelve times a day or evade breaks is that a thing? Um, they're just they're just better employees or they're they're great employees. So it's uh, it's changing. It is not there yet. Um, so you've so, had some success with
1: some, in, with some Plano companies. Yep. Our Plano businesses that are listening to this podcast, how can they get involved and start working more with the, the, the academy
2: and hiring folks? Well, the first thing I would say is the size of the company and the industry of the company are irrelevant. Uh, it, you don't have to, well, we're, we don't really have jobs that are good fit. I promise every company that's listening has a job or jobs, that this population can support and be great in. So the first thing is don't, don't immediately write it off as we're not a good fit for this. Um, the, other, the other thing I would say is don't go into this because it's, quote, the right thing to do. Uh, you should go into this because you're looking to hire a really quality employee. So with those two things aside, um, there are companies, uh, Toyota and Sedexo have been huge um EY SAP JP Morgan Chase Bank of America these are all these are big name companies that have found there's extreme value and many of them are ramping up their efforts to hire within this population because they realize oh these are the efficiencies significantly higher than we thought and here we are 2 years later and none of those employees have left you know I don't know what the I'm not an HR guy I've I've heard that like the cost of hiring an employee is you know 1x the cost of the employee well that saves that saves quite a bit of money over time so sure it does. i'd tell them reach out to my possibilities online and just say hey we're interested in hiring uh, you know hiring a hipster and we can take it from there so before we wrap up uh, could you just share with us
0: a success story maybe a recent success story that uh that you think our listeners would like to hear about
2: yeah it's funny i've got uh i've got like 40 and and that's the good news um Every time we place somebody in the last three to four years, six months down the road, it becomes a success story. Very rarely have we had an incident where we place somebody in a job and it just doesn't work out. Um, So I've got uh, a young man who's, yeah, two days ago I was at Toyota uh, for a a transportation discussion. And we went to grab lunch in their cafeteria and somebody had just mentioned how, oh, yeah, no, we love, we've seen a couple of uh, of guys with disabilities at work here and they kind of help out. And we went down to eat lunch, and and I looked over, and there's Kyle. Uh, I mean, he's, I love him today. He's a great dude, and he's sitting there. He's in it to win it. He's he's restocking all the area. He's got five six people walking around him, and it's just it's it's not feel good employment. He's he's handling his business in the middle of a very business, busy cafeteria, sure. and uh, yeah, he'll he needs a raise. He needs more hours. He's going to be a really successful employee there. Oh, that's terrific. So, Michael, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for
1: today. Thank you again for joining us. We're so proud of all the great work you and your team at my possibilities are doing for our community, and we look forward to the next chapters. Thank next you very much. chapters, yeah. You said chapters yes, that's right.
0: because that's how Michael rolls. Plural. So, <laughs> plural, absolutely. We'd like to give special thanks to WorkSuites for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pauls. WorkSuite's full-service offices, meeting rooms, and co-working spaces are move-in ready with no long-term lease and minimal upfront capital. Check out any of their 15 DFW locations at WorkSuites.com. Want to join WorkSuites as a Plano Pulse sponsor and get your business in front of our listeners? Contact the Chamber to learn more.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think. Download the Plano Chamber app for easy listening share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episodes.